everybody, this is Jay Izzo, and welcome to A New Direction. My name is Jay Izzo, and I am also known as the Internet Doctor, and I'm author of the book, Got Social Mediology. And we are going to be doing a series of shows devoted to helping you find your new direction. We're going to be interviewing great people who can help you learn new things, help you with your career, your business, your life. And also have some fun along the way, and that's the goal of A New Direction. And so, Welcome to the show. We are so glad to have you, and this is all part of the Jiggy Jaguar network, and so we are so grateful to James Lowe, otherwise known as Jiggy Jaguar, for allowing me to have this hour of your time, and so please check out Jiggy Jaguar. That's jagshow.com, J-A-G-S-H-O-W.com, and make sure you download the Jiggy Jaguar app and support his show as well. So, what is this show going to be about? Well, we're going to have a set way of what we're going to do here. So one of the first things that we're going to do is we're going to always start every week with the Internet Doctor segment. And we're going to talk about what is the social media stupid of the week, the social media star of the week. And I'm going to give you my social media tip of the week that will hopefully be some way that you can create a new direction for yourself in terms of using social media to be a better benefit for you, whether that be life or business, but mostly business for sure. So who am I? Well, I guess if I was supposed to read the stuff that my publicist says, I am known for talking to college athletes, to Wall Street, and everywhere in between. I work with athletes, coaches, employees, and corporate executives, and I help them understand the psychology behind social media. But it's so much more than that. I also uh, coach uh, business executives. We call it kind of cowboy coaching, and that's another story for another day. But we're going to talk about social media today. and. I think we've got some really, really great stuff. So let's dig right into the Internet Doctor segment. And I probably need to get some music to introduce that Internet Doctor segment, right? Just something banging that that just kind of like leads right into that, right? Something that we're doing. So let's talk about a social media stupid of the week. You know, folks, nature has a way of reminding us humans that we are not in as much control of our world as we would like to think we are. And you probably have read the news that recently in Hawaii, in, in the area they call the Big Island, people are awaiting for this major eruption of Kalalua or Kilalua uh, Volcano Summit. And if you're Hawaiian, I apologize if you know the actual pronunciation of it. Fact is, there's a big volcano, and lava is currently oozing out from the volcano and in, in around the surrounding area. And so it's being guarded by local police as well as the National Guard. However... People being people and social media being social media have decided that what they're going to do is they're going to get around these guarded areas so they can get as close as they can to the lava, right, and take what else? A selfie. Yes, that's right. They're going to take a selfie with hot molten lava and a volcano that's now spewing out some rocks. I I did say selfies, right? I did, right? So I did – I cannot honestly, ladies and gentlemen, think of anything more stupid than to potentially risk your life and also potentially risk the lives of those who are trying to protect this area than to take a selfie with a volcano and molten lava. Are you kidding me? You know, I, you know, honestly, I'm never shocked by human behavior, but I do constantly shake my head 
especially when it comes to human behavior and social media, because I'm like going, why? Why would you not only endanger yourself? By the way, if you want to endanger yourself, that's fine. Endanger yourself. But why would you even want to potentially have to drag somebody else into a potentially dangerous situation because you want a selfie? It makes no sense at all to me. So this week in social media for the social media stupid of the week, it's the people who are taking volcanic selfies. Yeah, that's the social media stupid of the week. By the way, uh, if you are wondering, you know, why does he talk about social media? Well, I wrote this book called Got Social Mediology, and it is using psychology to master social media for your business without spending a dime. And that is available in bookstores all across North America, actually, Canada and uh, the U.S., and it's also currently being translated in Arabic, of all things. But you can get it on Amazon. You can also get it at your local bookstore. It's available in Kindle edition and also Audible editions. And I, and I, I tell James Lowe, Jiggy Jaguar, again, who's so gracious to let me do this, I, I say to him all the time, you know, if you really don't want to read the book, you can have these golden tones that you're listening to right now. Read you my book. Yes, that's correct. So, and and I'll tell you what. Just go to if you want more information. Just go to social mediology m e d i o l o g y dot com, and you can check out my book and find a place to buy it near you. Uh, it's 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 really a book that really helps you understand how to use social media without spending money on marketing. So let's talk about the social media star of the week, shall we? So I don't know. When I talk about the star this week, I don't know that you will ever hear me say this again about this particular group or business ever being the social media star of the week. I know they've never been a star, but I'm not sure that I will ever say it again. Maybe I will. I hope I will. But this week's social media star is Carnival Cruise Lines. Uh, I'll wait. I'll wait for it. What? Yes. So let me tell you how the story – the story starts with a 15-year-old young man. His name is Darren Darian Lipscomb. And he's from Prospect, Virginia. And Darian, like most 15-year-old teens, has a Snapchat account. But he has the username at Carnival Cruise. Now, I, I, I don't necessarily promote taking other businesses' name, but i got to be honest. Th- th- this is pretty smart here. So Carnival is about to introduce their brand new ship. That and it's it's and by the way it's beautiful, it's huge, and it, it has all sorts of really bells and whistles for families and stuff like that. It slides, it's just crazy how cool it is. And so they wanted the Snapchat name at Carnival Cruise. So what did they do? Now they could have bullied folks. Listen, I have talked about stories before where businesses have bullied and to get what they want. However, they did something really, really clever. They decided that they were going to reach out to Darian in a very fun way. They put up signs and they drove trucks with his name on it, you know, asking people, do you know who Darian is? Can you have Darian talk to us? And they they literally are sending out all these advertisements all around the Prospect, Virginia area. Well, they eventually catch up with him. And so they decide to make him an offer for his Snapchat handle at Carnival Cruise. So they brought in film cameras and crews, and so here's what they offered him, and this is such a cool way. I just love what they did here. They offered Darian a free two-week cruise with his family on the new luxury Carnival Cruise Liner. That's pretty cool. But here's the cooler part. They also offered to pay for his college education wherever he chooses to go to school. 
How cool is that? I think that is possibly the most amazing social media trade I've ever seen in the best way I've ever seen how to handle social media in a positive way. And uh, there's pictures of him at the ship with the captain's hat on and uh, doing the inaugural ship thing. And it's just a very, very cool moment. And I, I want to just, just give a shout out to Carnival Cruise Lines. You know what? You did this right on social media. And I love it when companies do the right thing towards people. And uh, Carnival Cruise Lines, you did the right thing. And you should be congratulated. And that's why they get my social media star of the week. So we're going to get to the social media tip. I just want to let you know, if just my name is Jay Izzo. I'm also known as the Internet Doctor. And the book that's currently in bookstores and available is called Got Social Mediology. That's S-O-C-I-A-L-M-E-D-I-O-L-O-G-Y. And it is about using psychology to master social media for your business without spending a dime on marketing because that's what we do here. And we're trying to help you do things without having to spend marketing dollars because I know that a lot of small businesses don't want to do that. And if you understand the psychology of the user and the social psychology and the culture of each platform, you can do that without having to spend money on, on marketing when it comes to social media. So what's the social media tip? So I know that many of you out there who that you kind of fight this whole social media thing. You try to make it work for your business and you, you, you and it, you just don't get it. It's not working for you. And the reason why is because so frequently what I see is I see people posting business stuff on their personal pages. And folks, I need you to understand that it's called social media, not business media. And it, and it's that way for a reason because there's really nothing social about your business in reality. And so when you try to pull your business into a culture that's about being social and about being human, it's hard to make your business human. So if you really want social media to work for your business, start by giving people a peripheral view of you. What I mean when I say that. So so often you focus on the business. You know, this is what we do in our business and, and look what we did here. But what do you do? On the outside, because you're certainly not doing business 24 You know what? You just take a different path and it's better. And so that's literally, that's literally how I got here. I do the radio thing because, well, James tells me I'm good at it. So, yeah. Well, yeah and you do. have a fabulous voice. So I, I'm, <laughs> I'm thinking you're on the right path if it's profitable for you. But here, here's the thing. So, you know, uh, so fortunately you're, you're using that experience from right. school. But, you know, my first job as a professional speaker, I was, you know, um, actually it was my second as a professional speaker. I went to work for a company called National Education Centers, and they owned Arizona Automotive Institute. And my job was to go out and speak to all these high school kids to try to talk them into something else. If these pe- and, and I was speaking to the kids that were more at risk or unlikely to go to a four-year university but still give them an education option in a vocation that mm. they could do something with. Now, at 19, I had, you know, I wound up having to drop out of college anyway to take care of my mother, so I never got to finish. But the guy I was working for, who was running a, an automotive tech school, had a biology degree. Right. You know? Right, right. So it's, you know, we, we have to think about, am I going to find myself? Because you can find yourself in the real world working. And in the real world working, you're gaining experience. So, you know, for those kids that are that are listening that are just coming up and they're thinking, oh, my family is pressuring me to go to school. But, you know, unless you need, you know, to be a doctor or a lawyer or something that requires some serious qualifications, 
do you really need that? Maybe there's a more cost-effective alternative for you out there. Maybe you can go to a vocational school and get the skills you need and become your own business person. You know, like people that, that do air conditioning repair here in Arizona, those guys are kajillionaires within 10 years. Right. I, mean, I know, I know. Minnesota, you know? <laughs> so, you know, I mean, think about the people that work on oil rigs, right? Right. That's a technical knowledge. That's a vocational education. And those people are pulling in six figures right now right. because it's I, just so hard to find these folks. And so, so that's the bigger challenge. And um, uh, what happens is that uh, we lose sight of that. Now, if you've already buried yourself in debt and you're not working uh, in your given profession or your given area of study or expertise, you've got other challenges. Now you have to figure out what's my best strategy. And, Depending on whether you have a federally insured loan or a private loan, you'll have different options. Now, bankruptcy, when you have federally insured loans, all those loans survive bankruptcy. So bankruptcy can't help you. So now you have to figure out, well, what's my strategy to pay this self off? Because, you know, you, 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 you get a job. And but you want to start living your life. You know, you spend all this time in school. So you, so now all those delayed relationships that you never have, you're starting to have those. You're falling in love. Perhaps you have a child either planned or unplanned. So now all these other expenses and responsibilities are adding up. And you're, you're like, oh, my gosh, how do I pay for this? So we're so focused on paying back all the money we owe other people. We don't think about paying ourselves first. And that's the most important thing, regardless of who you owe or how much you owe. You are the only one responsible for you. You're responsible for your health, and you're responsible for your wealth. Mm, and these things are trouble. You got to pay. You got to pay yourself first. You got. You got to do the work up front. I love that. By the way, ladies and gentlemen, we're talking to Heather Wagonalls and uh, financial expert uh, extraordinaire, actually. I, I was going to just say, just leave it at financial expert, but actually, she's better than just an expert. She's extraordinarily well versed and. Um, and, and you're talking here on the new direction with Jay Izzo, part of the Jiggy Jaguar network. And so, Heather, I, I love what you said. My, my wife does not have a college degree. She is an extraordinarily successful real estate uh, owner. She's a broker owner of her own real estate business. And, you know, she taught me. My wife, I believe, is the smartest human being on the planet because she, here I am, highly educated, and she was making money by the time, you know, you know, like you early on, she was making money and, and because she understood, you know, her dad from the very beginning was kind of an entrepreneurial type. And, you know, he would say to her count your, if you, if you keep track of your pennies, the dollars will follow. And then he would say, always tell her, pay yourself first, pay yourself first, pay yourself first. And as someone who's highly educated and has taught at colleges and universities, I'm blown away how many professors are broke, by the way. Right. In, oh, my God. In business schools. These are business professors teaching a business. They're constantly broke. And this is going to sound like I know that my academic folks are going to roll over in their grave when they say this. But I'm no longer convinced that you should have a college education in order to make money. I think it's a great no, thing to teach you to It's not think. a requirement. Now, now, let's look at the statistics. So 86 percent uh, of millionaires are college educated. Right. All right. So, but I'm in the 13% club, right. you know, I had earned a million bucks by the time I was 25 and I. Uh-oh. Something happened. Did her Skype freeze? Yeah, it looked like her Skype froze. Let me see if I can get her back. 
still hear me? Oh, there she is. She came back. Oh, you were gone. Hello? Yeah, you're back. Can you hear us? There she is. I'm sorry. I just I'm travel for a moment and take care of something in the future, but I'm back. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. That is fantastic. That is fantastic. Forgive so, me for that. I should have picked a better time to come back instead of the middle of the interview. But That's, that's okay. No, I mean, take care of what you need to take care of in the future. I think that's always more important. So go ahead with your point. <laughs> go, go, no, go ahead with uh, that. So it, it never affected my ability, you know, and, and it's still like, you know, a thorn in my side. I, I, I'm like, you know what, I need to go back because it's one of the only commitments that I've made in my life that I haven't fulfilled, you know. So, I, I mean, I've cruised down the bucket list. I just got a couple more to go, and they're going to happen next month, and Thank I'm you. pretty excited about that. Um, so, you know, uh, so, you know, it's like I, I'm adding to the bucket list, you know, but my initial bucket list is virtually complete. And, mm-hmm. and I'm, you know, and, and I'm only 47. So uh, I'm pretty excited about that. But, you know, you, you made a great point. And so like you, I study the brain and behavior and how folks get rich. And intelligence does not equal health savvy or financial savvy. You know, smarts is just smarts, but we don't do what we know. We right. do what we've practiced. And so even right. though we all know to spend less and save more, nobody does it. <laughs> and it's for that specific reason, because our conditioning wasn't in place. You're lucky that you're an academic and your wife got out there and hustled. And right. she had that great programming early on because my mother was a hoarder. She had like a million different jobs and she just spent money like it was going out of style. And she always talked about saving, but she never led by example, right. you know. And so, like, I went into financial advising. I was a stockbroker, one of my first big super professional jobs. And, and I was a stockbroker. And here I am telling people what to do with their money and how to make money. And I'm making people lots of money. But, you know, I my first husband helped me go through money real quick. Right. Right. You know, and for every dollar I made, he was helping me spend a dollar twenty-five. There you go. Oh, that's yeah. We, there, there, isn't it true that there's if you're you know married or living together, whatever your situation is, that there's generally somebody who's a spender and somebody who's a saver. I, it seems that that's really true. Well, you know, the worst the worst that I've seen, and I've seen all matches, but but the worst matches are the ones that are like extra prodigious savers. If you get a pair of savers. They're living a miserable life. They're not enjoying their money. They haven't been able to create harmony and create a balance between saving and spending. They're they're just, you know, hoarding their cash. They're, you know, they were told to save their money until a rainy day. And if you live in Arizona, there's not that many of them. No, not many at all. By the way, we're talking to Heather Wagonalls, absolutely author. She's an author. She is a financial expert. She is an expert. I've been seen on pick a station. She's been on it. Uh, she's a certified identity theft risk management specialist, expert personal finance. Uh, she's a real estate broker, both commercial, residential. And she's written two books, Yes, You Can and Bushido Business. But there is a new book that you are writing right now. Just to just love that segue. There's a new book <laughs> that you've got coming out right now called Money, Credit, and You, How to Avoid Identity Theft, Frauds, and Scams. So talk to us a little bit here. We've got a few we got five minutes. So talk to us a little bit here about this new book. I'm really I'm really intrigued. Well, like I said before, that I take a biology-based approach to success. And so as, as a, a person that's deep into psychology and human behavior like you, 
there is no mystery in why we fail at money management. And, and the brain is keyed into the present. And our, the way our brain is structured is it's all about survival, then have an emotion about it, maybe create a memory or remember something. And then we think logically about something. But that logic brain and that third level of thinking doesn't occur until the first half. And so it can be colored or jaded, you know. And so I took this biology-based approach to success from my Keys to Riches financial philosophy and everything that I teach on my Unlock Your Wealth radio show, and I put it into a biology-based approach to avoiding identity theft, frauds, and scams because most of the time when we're victimized, it has to do with us and not a cyber breach, you know, or an attack of some sort. It's us being careless or unaware of our environment, what's going on, and it shows you how these scams occur, like the steps that are involved, so how you get suckered out of your own data. I mean, so many people, you we're conditioned to fill out forms, whether it's online or, you know, at the doctor's office or, you know, a business. You know, I see, you know, um, that you're kind of nodding in acceptance. And they, there's that social security number box. And we just arbitrarily fill it out because why? Because our brains need to complete things. It's an empty space. I must fill it. You know, yeah. are you a felon? No, but I stole candy when I was a kid and didn't get caught. Like, you know, we just... It's so funny. I agree with you because I, when I talk about social media and the psychology of social media, I am like, why are we bothering Zuckerberg? We all knew the privacy issues that were going to happen once we got on social media, but we didn't care because we were getting all these likes. We were getting all yeah. these comments. Right? We we're getting all these comments. People are sharing our stuff. Oh my God, I just did food porn. You know, I just did, you know, like I did my wife's uh, Mother's Day and I did the, the braised red wine short rib, you know, over the cauliflower mash. Right. So, right? But, you know, I even know, I know, right, that I know what the risks are when we do these things. I know what that, but my emotional side of me doesn't care. I want oh, to. Because you need that, that ego stroke. You need to tell everybody, have everybody tell you that you're fabulous. It's FOMO, fear of missing out. All, it's, I say it all the time. Yes, it's FOMO. It's FOMO, that psychological need to be connected to others. And it's gotten to this obsessive pace with social media. I mean, what drove us before is we would have parties and get togethers when we needed to connect with other people. We would go out, we would network, we would involve ourselves in activities and events. But now it's in the palm of our hands. We don't have to do that anymore. We, we, no, we don't. And it's, it's really, it's cool. It's cool for me from a research standpoint. It's very cool for me to watch human behavior. And I tell people all the time, I'll, I'll do the, I'll, sometimes on my social media, I will say to people, you know, you don't know how predictable you really are. You are so predictable. And people go, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. I'm like, no, trust me. I just predict. I knew for a fact that you were going to come back as soon as I said you're not predictable, that you are predictable, that you would tell me that you're not predictable because it's just what we do, right? It's that right. It's psychological right. reaction. You know, and we think we have a degree of control, but we're just subject to our conditioning and past choices. And true. as long as we didn't die from them, we'll likely make that mistake again. Hence the people that continue to smoke, even though they know it's going to kill them. You know, on the fears chart of the six top fears, the fear of dying is the lowest fear we have. We are more, our highest fear is embarrassment. Yeah. No, you, listen, I, I, Jerry Seinfeld used to say this old joke, right? If you look at the fears, right, people are less afraid of dying than they are speaking in front of people, 
right? So it's actually better to be in the casket than do the eulogy, you know? When... <laughs> no, but you and I are like that, though. We like to be, we want to be doing the eulogy. Yeah. Light it up! Yeah. We're here to talk about my friend. He had a great life. Let me just tell you a few things about some of the crap we caused back in the day. Uh, that's so awesome. We were with Heather Wagonalls, and Heather, I've, I've got to cut it short for our next guest, but I want to just tell you what a pleasure it has been to be with you and to be able to chat with you. And I really hope you will be on with me again here on A New Direction and that we could talk more in depth because I think we could just do a whole hour just chatting together about just oh all my the gosh. things you know. It was so great. And I want to call you Iz. I don't want to call you Jay. That's I don't awesome. That's my friends do. My friends yeah, my friends so. call me Izzer Izzy. They they do all the time. And some because my name is Jay, I have some friends that call me Jay to the Izzo. So, yeah, everybody, this is Jay Izzo with A New Direction, and that's what you're listening to. And we have just listened to Heather Wagonalls, and uh, what a great interview we had with her. And I am so honored and privileged to be able to talk to real estate expert Linda Kraft of Linda Kraft and Team Realtors and also owner of Craft Commercial and Craft Residential in Raleigh, North Carolina. She is a 30-plus year veteran of the real estate industry, and uh, she is a leader in her industry. And uh, we are so privileged to have her with us in today's show. And uh, so, Linda, welcome to the show, and thank you for being on. Jay, thank you so much for having me. So, Linda, um, by the way, folks, uh, check her out at lindacraft.com. That's L-I-N-D-A-C-R-A-F-T dot C-O-M. Check out lindacraft.com. She can certainly help you, not just in the Raleigh Research Triangle Park area, but if you've got any place in the United States or even in Canada or anywhere in the world, for that matter, that you're looking for a real estate professional, Linda can help you certainly find the right person to help you buy or sell your home or find the right piece of commercial and investment real estate. Linda, you know, today's real estate market is really, really bizarre because we are seeing something that I don't know. I, you know better than I do, but I, we're seeing something in the market, and and everybody talking to in these different markets are telling me that there's just no inventory in the real estate market, that people are trying to buy houses in certain price ranges, of course, and it seems mostly it's in that first-time home buyer price range that there's no inventory. Before I ask you the big question, do you have any thoughts on why that's occurred, of why we have such a low inventory in so many different areas of the country? And and you are right on, Jay. Everywhere in the United States we have a housing shortage, especially for first-time home buyers. And a lot of that is because when the recession happened back in 2008, the lenders really cut back on how much money they were going to lend people to build properties. So these big developers that used to, you know, crank out millions of properties every year cut way back. But we didn't stop having babies. And so people kept graduating from high school, getting jobs, wanting to get out of an apartment, have a home. And as the market has turned and more and more people are coming into the market, especially these huge um, mass millions of millennials that are, you know, got jobs and ready to buy. There just isn't any affordable housing out there for them. One, because they didn't build for almost five years to keep up with, um, with, um, with birth. And the second reason now is because building costs have gone up so much. The cost of land, the cost of development, the cost of building materials. Um, you put all those things together. 
And in fact, we are so far behind in housing nationwide that it's going to take years to get out of this. The beautiful thing about it is people that already are sitting at home right now are seeing a lot of nice appreciation, at least in most price ranges. Um, our market in the triangle, the luxury is still a little soft, but you know, anything 500 below is doing quite well. And of course, most first-time home buyers are coming in somewhere between 150 and 300, and they're just in a bitty more on every house that they're trying to buy. We're talking to Linda Kraft of Linda Kraft and Team Realtors, uh, Kraft Residential, Kraft Commercial in uh, Raleigh, North Carolina. She's a 30-year veteran of the and professional of the real estate market and is uh, national nationally known. And uh, you can find her at lindacraft.com, L-I-N-D-A-C-R-A-F-T.com. And you're listening to A New Direction with me, Jay Izzo. And we're talking about first-time home buyers. And so I know that we have a lot of listeners who are in that first-time home buyer uh, group and they're kind of wondering, Linda. And here's the big question. You know what? I've been trying to get a home because, because quite frankly, the rents are increasing like crazy, and so it's making no sense for me to stay in an apartment. But here I am trying to get a home. I qualify to get a home, but I keep losing because there's like 10, 12, 15 other offers, and they're going so far over. The asking price. What do what do we do? I mean, what what do you say to the first time home buyer who is just keeps losing? And how do they how do they win in that battle? You have just entered into every day of my life. What a great question! <laughs> Thank you. And and you know what? I'm going to give you some tips on that because you can anybody that's listening right now, they can research uh, what to do to buy a house, and they'll give them tips like you know raise the price and raise the deposits. I want to give you something to think about that probably no one out there is even considering. And the first is winning a home in a multiple offer, it's not always about the price. Many times we will accept an offer that's a lower price, but we know that we can get it to the finish line. So as a buyer, I'm going to kind of speak to those first-time home buyers that are out there that are so disappointed that they've been trying for so long to buy a house and they just keep losing. And, you know, it's such an emotional um, experience to buy a home to begin with and then to be competing and all the fear that goes with am I paying too much and I mean it's just it's a horrible situation for them so I want to give them some tips that maybe they haven't considered and the first is um, you really want to consider the fact that when you are presenting an offer you are competing to win you want to win a house it's no difference than a, a, a the Stanley Cup or the Super Bowl whoever has got the best coach and the best players has the, the greatest chance of winning. So when you're thinking about winning a house, you must realize that you have to win the favor of both the seller and the listing agent because the listing agent has so much influence over the seller. That seller is going to sit down with that agent with 10, 15, 20 offers, and the agent is going to tell them, the listing agent is going to tell them, you know, I've worked with this broker before and they are top-notch. Uh, we've had great experiences. We've always gotten deals done and closed on time. Or I don't know this person at all. In fact, if uh, as I look at how they filled out this offer to purchase, I don't even think they've been in the business six months because they didn't fill it out right. And those just get kicked to the curb. So who, who, whoever is representing that buyer to buy a home, has to be somebody with some experience and some respect in the marketplace or you've already lost an edge. It's like having a player that's playing injured. Um, these listing agents that are listing these properties and that are experienced out there, they know who they want to work with because both the seller and the listing agent 
it's not just about the highest price. It's who can deliver the finish line. Who can get them to the finish line with the least amount of stress? And there's a, a lot of pieces to purchasing a home. It's not just the offer. That's just the beginning of a whole lot of other things. So think about who you're working with. Think about what the reputation is. I know that sometimes we want to uh, allow a new family member that just got their license or a friend that just got into the business. And by the way, in my industry, there's a lot of people getting a real estate license right now because <laughs> they think it's the time to make a fortune when it's actually a very tough market when there's a housing shortage. It's Somebody should be telling that story. Maybe that would be another call, Jay. I but, think so. uh, <laughs> I should be. I think we'll have to have another call on that. Okay, that sounds good. But, but think about who you're working with. And I would say that if you do indeed want to help a family member or a friend or whatever is, is in the business, um, maybe suggest that before they present your offer that they send it to their broker in charge to make sure they didn't leave any blanks out that are important or they didn't put something in the wrong place because that is the, the telltale sign to that listing agent. This broker on the other end is new and do not they don't know what they're doing on the offer to purchase. What else are they going to fall apart on? And then if it is somebody you're working with uh, that has experience, good for you, ask that person if they've ever worked with a listing agent before. If they say no, you have a disadvantage because that listing agent's receiving an offer from a broker they don't know. If they say yes, ask them what the last transaction was like because if your broker is well known, but the last time they work with that listing agent you're trying to win favor of, and that transaction was a nightmare, it fell apart after their seller had packed up their house and was ready to move on and that whole deal fell apart. I can tell you right now, your offer just got kicked to the curb because of the agent you chose to represent you. So if you want every advantage to win, you've got to think about those little things that, that nobody's really thinking about or talking about out there. Listing agents and sellers both want to get to the finish line with the least amount of stress. The offer is just the beginning. Mm. So you want to think about some of those other things. Really great advice, Linda. That's yeah, I didn't think you know. I didn't think about that. I I think we all focus on you know right. The seller is just going to get the highest price they possibly can. But I think what you're saying here is that sometimes deals fall apart just because it's the highest price doesn't mean it's the most knowledgeable agent that can get the person through the transaction. And what is the comfort level that the selling agent has with the buyer's agent? And if they have a really good relationship already. That can that can overcome a lot of price issues. Is I, I am I saying that right? Yeah. It, well, price is still important, but it's definitely going to help your offer to even get considered. I mean, if I was sitting here with 20 offers to present to a seller, the ones that I already knew were going to be problematic, either because of the buyer's agent or my experience in the past or uh, some other things that I see in the contract, I'm going to say right away. I don't think you should consider these. These are not your best. Let's look, let's narrow it down to the 10 that are the best and look at those because here's a problem, here's a problem, here's a problem, here's a problem. And the seller is going to go, okay, whatever you think because they hired that listing agent to be their advisor. And when I made a statement earlier about if you want to win more games, then you want to have the best coach and the best team. Mm -hmm. So when you think about a buyer agent and the buyer's team, um, the buyer's team is the agent. The buyer's team is the lender. I am amazed at how many 
uh, real estate agents will write up an offer for their buyer, and they don't even have a pre-approval letter or anything mm. from a lender showing that they're qualified. And not only do you want a letter that says not only is this buyer qualified to buy, they are pre-approved and ready to go. We just need a house with credit checks and tax returns and income verification. You want all that. You want pre-approval, not pre-qualification. And you want it from a lender that the listing agent is familiar with. And what I mean by that is if I get some no-name lender I've never heard of, and if they're out of my marketplace, if they're in another state, holy cow, that can be a problem because sometimes they're not even licensed in North Carolina and they can't even close. But, you know, somebody's aunt, uncle, brother, whatever is, you know, a lender in another state, and so they think it would be nice to use them. And it would as long as they're licensed in North Carolina and as long as that listing agent actually knows that lender and that mortgage company because that's going to be a huge red flag. Don't bring me some dot-com company. Oh, my gosh, nightmare. Mm -hmm. I want somebody that I can walk into that office if I'm having a problem getting a loan to close and I can go talk to somebody face-to-face, -face, the processors, the underwriters. That's how you get deals done. Um, not somebody that's hiding behind voicemail and phone calls and emails. It's not, not responsive. So when you think about the team that the buyer needs to put around them, it is certainly a great real estate agent with a good reputation. It is a really strong lender with a great representation and a reputation. And then the other thing to think about is who's the home inspector because a smart listing agent will actually ask the buyer agent, who do you normally use for a home inspection? Because the buyer agent usually recommends the home inspector or you know two or three inspectors for the buyer to choose from. Well, if they've had a nightmare experience with the home inspector, they don't want to work with that buyer because of who they're going to right. choose for their team. So it's more than just the price. And then when you do get into the negotiations, obviously price is important. And I would say that one of the mistakes that a buyer makes is they'll get, if they're getting a mortgage, uh, or, her, or even if they're paying cash, I guess they have know what their limit is, but they'll look at a, a property up and to the max of what they can qualify for for a new mortgage. And then when they have to go above asking price, it puts a lot of additional stress on them or they have to worry about the home not appraising and all those things that can go wrong. So buyers would be well served if they would shop below their maximum. So if they're qualified up to 250 and homes are selling for 10% above asking price, then they should be shopping probably 10 or 15 percent below what they actually can afford so if they have to go over they don't have so much stress and they actually can deliver awesome <laughs> that, that's awesome linda linda I, we're running short of time and i'm so sorry because i could like we could do this i know we could do this segment for another hour and because there would be so many questions but, but i do want to say thank you for being on the show and by the way folks you're listening to a new direction with jay and we're speaking uh, we're closing the show with Linda Craft of Linda Craft and Team Realtors. Uh, you can find her at lindacraft.com, L-I-N-D-A-C-R-A-F-T.com. She also owns Craft Residential and Craft Commercial. So whether you're an investor looking for commercial property or a residential owner, she can help you in the Raleigh Research Triangle Park area or anywhere in the world helping you find the right experienced agent that can help you win that deal. So we appreciate it. Linda, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate I appreciate uh, your, your wisdom is just outstanding. So thank you so much. Thank you for the honor of being on your show, Jay. Okay, thanks, and have a great time. And we'll be talking. I promise you we're going to bring you back on the show because you are so good. So thank you so much. <laughs> thank you. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye.
James, that'll, still there? that'll work. I, uh, I, I got that segment uh, 